Hey, good morning, everybody. It's a pleasure to be here, but I most especially want to welcome you all here. I'm glad you took a moment to to get up, to sit on the couch, to sit behind the desk, to look on your phone. Whatever you're doing, there is a reason and there's a divine moment. Nothing's by accident. And I'm so glad you're listening. Remember anything that I say, and I always tell all these folks, y'all know me, but those of you who don't, anything I say is out of the abundance of the heart that God has given me for him. And if for any way or any reason I miss it and it is contrary to scripture, scripture is where you go. I'm just trying to be a willing vessel. So I I try to always keep a perspective on on where I'm coming from. So uh, as typical, I'm going to completely mess with the audiovisual department and we're going to start with the video. My mama told me something when I was growing up that has forever changed my life. She played the piano at our little church at 3rd and Pine Street for 37 years. She tried to teach me to play the piano, (laughs) but I wasn't very good. She would teach me the names of the notes, what a major key is, what a minor key is. She tried to teach me musical theory, but I was just bored. Then, one day, she told me that the best news in the world is found by playing a simple scale on the piano. I had no idea what she meant, so she told me to play an eight-note scale. So I did. I said, how is that good news? And she said I played it incorrectly and that I needed to play it the other way. So I did. Again, I said, how is that good news? And she said I played it the right way, but I needed to add the pauses. The pauses, she said, the pauses, add them on the first, second, fourth, sixth, seventh, and last note. Now, I was frustrated and said, how can eight notes with random pauses be the best news in the world? Then I got up, walked away, and went outside. Frankly, I didn't care what she was talking about. I didn't like playing the piano anyway. Well, years later... My mama got sick and passed away. As I was thinking about her, I remembered what she told me about the piano. Not only that, I still remember the notes she told me to pause. The first, second, fourth, sixth, seventh, and last note. So I sat down at her piano and played the scale with the pauses. It's the pauses that make the difference. We rush through everything. This is the season of rush and get it done. We rush through everything. We even rush through understanding why God loves us. We take it for granted. We say, yeah, yeah, we got that. I know. I think they're trying to give you the flip the switch signal. I prefer, I prefer to off altogether, but that doesn't help y'all much, does it? <laughs> but it's the season of rush. It's the pauses that made all the difference. All the notes jumbled in one way or another help. All the things happening forward, and then all of a sudden, no, you have to do it backwards. 
Sometimes we, we get so involved in the process that we speed right through it and we miss the pauses. And in the pauses is actually the message. And in the pause, there is grace. And in the pause, there is substance. And in the pause, the jumble of everything became meaningful in a moment. But it took a pause to get there. Those eight notes. Tanya, you played the piano most of your life. Did you have any clue where he was going with that? <laughs> because we, and yeah, I grew up taking piano lessons. I played piano most of my life. And, and uh, I met Vincent Watkins. He's gone on to be with the Lord now. But every Monday he'd come to my house, he'd roll up. My brother would roll his eyes. The house would clear. And it was up to me to start playing the piano. But I remember he would always fuss about the pauses. Pay attention to the whole notes. Pay attention to those spaces. Those squiggles mean things. And that's, that's where we are in this stage of life. That's where we are in this season of life. Pauses mean something. Taking a moment to slow down and remember what all of this is about. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Do we feel that this time of year? No, I think it's really about this. We've got to somehow in our minds everything that was has to kind of culminate into our new traditions or the things that could be. And, and we remember everything a bit differently than it actually was. Have you noticed that? I'll never forget at Christmas one year, you know, I, I wanted a drum set, which is how ridiculous is that to start with? But me with a drum set, all my friends here are going, yeah, that's a bad idea. But I remember I was trying to be helpful and I said, oh, let me get something for you. And I ran out to the car and I popped the trunk just as I heard my mom and dad go, no. And sure enough, there sat my drum set, and that started the two-week cavalcade of I'm taking it back. (laughs) But in my mind, just remembering, even as my own child is sneaking around the house looking for stuff, I, I, I remember it differently. I remember it being just like this awesome moment of discovery, and they remember it being a disaster. And then there's this. We surround ourselves with media, which I love this channel, okay? I watch all these movies. But we surround ourselves with the media that says it all works out. When you're too busy for a pause, you will be on the most beautiful country road with the snow slowly falling. You will suddenly barely slide off in the ditch, not injuring yourself or your car, but you will be somehow inhibited from moving forward. And then the man of your dreams will stop and say, honey, come to my house for Christmas. (laughs) So... I am single. I can like that. I just think it's interesting. You you watch this and everything works out in the end. Everything all of a sudden has a meaning. Every, Every misconception by the last 20 minutes is somehow explained. Everybody who's been wronged or hurt or or something's been said that shouldn't, it gets fixed. Those are the pressures of Christmas. Those are the pressures of the holidays that we all face. And more often than not, by the end of the, of the day, when the cars are pulling out of the driveway, not all of those things are rectified. And then there's this. There's the, there's that, that pressure of what you expect versus what you can accomplish. (laughs) All right? That, that pressure, it's unnecessary, but, but we feel it. And, and then there's that thought that I'm going to find the perfect gift or I'm going to hint that I want the perfect thing and they're going to hear me. And then we fool ourselves into going, I'm going to wrap it beautifully. It's going to look awesome. They're just going to see this beautiful package under the tree. They're going to appreciate it. All these things that we expect 
We expect people to receive things a certain way. We expect them to see in it what we thought's in it and how wonderful the box is. It's like when your your grandmother gives you those. Remember that that show where the grandma gives them the bunny the bunny uh, uh, pajamas. And the kid's like 14. He's like, for real? Well, grandma was awesome. She had worked hard on it. There was love in that box. But the recipient didn't see it that way. But we work so hard to try to make everything perfect, only to end up really here. We run out of paper. It says, happy birthday, Jesus. They wrote on it with a Sharpie. They ran out. We get, look, we've got to be honest with ourselves. This is where we end up. But the pressure from what we expect to what we finally accomplish, takes the joy out of things. There are these icon- iconic moments. We all look for them. We want our kids to have them. They go, they, oh my gosh, we stood in line. We, we went to the perfect place. We go to the candle factory because it's beautiful and fake snow has fallen and there's just awesome. And then it ends up here. <laughs> this is how it ends up. The mixture somewhere between expectation and, and what actually happened. But somewhere between those two is disappointment. Because you really wanted it to be perfect so badly. And then there's this. Oh, honey, he loves me. He's going to help me get the stuff out the attic. He loves Christmas as much as I do. He watches the Hallmark Channel with me. And and we're just going to have the perfect Christmas. I've given him hints. I've told him what he wants. He's going to buy the perfect present. He is really into Christmas. Right? That's that that expectation. It could be the husband on the wife or the, or the guy on the girlfriend. I don't know. Or the other way. I don't know. But nonetheless, that expect, expectation is there that you're going to enjoy and love this as much as I do. And you say, honey, help me decorate. And they come up with this. I don't know if you can see it or not, but he buzz cut a Christmas tree on the back of his head. That's not what she had in mind. I don't think that's what she was thinking. But that expectation, that chasm between expectation and reality. And then there's this. I've done this. This is hilarious. You go out in the middle of a forest, and it's a beautiful place, and it's first thing epiphany that you have is it's cold. It's really cold. Christmas trees like cold places. And then you got the snow on the ground, and you walk out with some guy, and he hands you an axe, and he says, go pick one. And then in my mind, when I did this 20 years ago, I said, okay, I'm going to, I got to find the smallest tree that I can find because I live in a little apartment. I don't have room for the forest. Well, what happens when you're in the middle of a forest is you completely lose perspective on what's big and what's small, right? So though it's a teeny tree, you end up here. Did you see see this on the news this week? This guy went, cut a tree down, went to throw it on his car, got pulled over because he could see out of a hole this big in his windshield. But I imagine in the forest of enormous trees, that was probably the smallest one. I don't, although I think I would have probably tuned in when my entire minivan was covered that maybe I had gone a little bit large. But you've done spent your money then. It's coming home. I know, I can hear the conversation in the car, can't you? I don't care if it's scratching the caravan, honey. We done paid for it. It's coming home. You know, you can, you can hear it. That joy of Christmas. And then we go for this. We got it. Now it's the, the Christmas card pressure. When you send out a card, now it can't be, oh my gosh, I went to Hallmark, got a box that was really cute, let me sign it. No, you gotta, you gotta stage it. You gotta have a photo. Your life has to look perfect. You gotta have the right font. You have to go get it printed. It's gotta get mailed and addressed. And it has to be addressed by a computer because then you know you've addressed it correctly. Heaven forbid you write on the back of the envelope. Do you see what I'm saying? All that pressure. And really, this is what's going on at home. Come on. 
The dog's excited. The tree's knocked over. Everybody's upset. But the card went out. Woo! Perfect. (laughs) Right? So we fall sometimes for those illusions of perfect, that everybody's got it together. More of us live here than here. Okay? So if we're just honest with ourselves, does that mean we don't desire for this type of thing? No, but this helps you stay a little grounded. This is how I feel Christmas has become, the holidays have become. It is a a plethora of temptations. It is a constant need to say, no, I'm not going to have the perfect card, but I am going to get them sent out. I'm not going to have the perfect present, but I'm going to buy what I believe they really wanted. I'm not going to wrap the present exactly right because I stink at that, and anybody that knows me knows that I do. Uh, but I'm going to wrap it because you, you, you're going to accept ever how it comes to you because it was done out of the, the love in my heart, not out of my need to be perfect. But all of those temptations and then feeling like you can't attain the perfection of any of them kind of leave you in this kind of mode of what's the point. And all of a sudden that joy is missing. So have we forgotten the point? Joy to the world, the Lord has come. That's the point of this season. Everything else I just mentioned is optional. If something happened and you were unable to do tree, present, anything like that, and you know Jesus is Lord and personal Savior, you still have reason to celebrate. You know me, I like to know the meanings of things. It's fairly obvious, but I I don't know. I just like... Figuring out if maybe I've missed the point. So I looked up joy just in case I didn't know what it meant. Because it seems to be hard to find some days. So I started to look it up. Oh my gosh, it's delight. It's jubilation. It's triumph. It's rejoicing. It's glee, exhilaration, exuberance. Euphoria, bliss. You felt that today, this week? Had any of that? The joy of the Lord is my strength. All those scriptures about joy. Have you felt any of these? That that triumph. Triumph to the world, the Lord has come. Have you felt that triumph in your spirit? Do you feel it? <laughs> this is really, honestly, that's where, that's where we're at. Let's be honest with one another. Somewhere between the, the illusion of perfection and the reality colliding in a perfect picture... This is really kind of how we feel. We know we have a grasp. We know we should be feeling joy, but somehow this is what life is like. This is what this season has become. Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Talk a little bit about pauses. Let your gentleness be evident in all you do. The Lord is near. Gentleness is pausing. When you're going to help somebody and they're hurt, you're, you're easy about it. There's a pause. It's not a this. It's a pause. There's a gentleness. Do not be anxious about anything. Pause. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, there's another pause. Take a moment to be grateful. Present your request to God. Pause. He's listening. We gloss through these scriptures and we stop remembering that every word is important. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Here are the big pauses. 
Finally, my brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, pause and think about these things. It's funny, Miles comes in and I'll say, hey, everything right? No reason to complain. He'll always tell me, no reason to complain. He's got a handle on what's the point. I'm going to stick with the positive. We've got to pause on these things. We've got to, do you know that you have to focus and search out these things? That if I ask you, just like we say, hey, can you tell me something? At the end of every service, we'll spend some time going, hey, tell me something good that happened this week. Do you know how much of a forced thought that is? When somebody says, tell me something good. And they wait and they pause and it takes 20, 20 seconds and they're trying to come up with something. It's not like they're going through the catalog of good things to tell you. They're just trying to find one. But if I say, tell me something that's matter. Well, my foot hurts, well, my back hurts, well, my car this, well, my that. We got that list right on top. But we're going to pause on the good things. Those eight notes. And don't forget the pauses. So then I said, well, wait a minute. Maybe I'm misinterpreting pause. Maybe I don't know what that means. Maybe I need to look that up because I'm not good at it either. I, I have trouble slowing down and pausing. We're so busy going as fast as we can to get as much done as we can in, in an eight-hour day. It was like I, I read something last night that was talking about, uh, it was a, a, a funny picture called a mombie. And I'm like, it's like a mom and a zombie that come together. And I was like, well, what is, what is that? And at the bottom, the woman had written, that's when you're really tired and it's really late, but your children are finally in bed and you have a minute's peace and you're not going to miss it. So you stay up later and it turns you into the mommy. But anyway, all right. So I said, well, let me see what the pause, what the pause is. A pause is something where you stop, you cease, you halt, you discontinue. It's a gap, an interlude. It's breathing space. A pause. I encourage all of you right now in the middle, ever since we had Black Friday, which started like on the Tuesday before, and then, and then we, we took some time to eat, we took a minute to eat, and we didn't want to miss anything, so we went and we, we shopped some more, and we tried to get everything done we could, and then Monday, there was a better deal, so we had to be in front of the computer, because every five minutes there's something better. All right, now we've got all that going on, trying to accomplish what we feel is the goal of the season, which is to please people, which... Okay, uh, we've already stepped into a hole right there. And, and we're, we're doing our best to make them happy. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, we have not paused for one moment other than to say, man, am I tired. Woo, it's overwhelming. My feet hurt, my back hurts. What am I going to do with all this stuff? I'm not talking at anybody. I'm talking to me as much as everybody else. I'm in the same boat. But the pause is important. That, that breathing space, that moment of respite. Have you paused lately? I don't know what race that guy was running, but we're all running our own race. It says you run a race with perseverance. We're all running our own race. I don't know what race he was running. I hope the medal was worth it. But man, he looks, that looks painful. I guess that's what exercise looks like. <laughs> but he, he looks, he looks painful. But we're all running that race with perseverance. We're running to the goal. We're trying to achieve something. There is a box we're trying to check. We've got our list or things to do. Have you paused lately? And I can hear people say, oh, I killed it. Have you paused lately? I can hear people saying right now, I think I turned it off by accident, that I don't have time to pause. I'm exhausted. I'm wore out, but I don't have time to pause. If I don't do it, who's going to do it? 
Those are all real things. But who's setting the pace for our race? Okay? That's something that I'm coming to grips with. Who's setting the pace for the race? Who, who is in the lead? Who's, who's telling us this is how things need to go? It should be, it should be Christ in our life, but I read this poll and I know you probably can't see it very well and I tried to get to the bottom of who they interviewed and where they were, <clears throat> but nonetheless it's, it's, if, even if it was 10 people right here in town, it's bothersome. Um, 10% of adults say the most important thing about Christmas is something religious. 12% Hey, they know the nativity story, kind of. But then it drops to 7% if you're between 18 and 24. They don't know the story. Things that we've taken for granted, they don't know. Uh, 12% of adults know it, 7 don't. Okay, 36% of children between the ages of 5 and 7 don't know whose birthday we're celebrating. That bothers me a lot. That's your future. That's our future. And uh, 72% of people don't plan to attend. And because it said carol service, it makes me feel like that maybe they were focusing on a more of a world population here, but uh, carol service in church. But here's the big one. 51% say the birth of Jesus is irrelevant to my Christmas. Not me. Not me. I can't make it a day without him. I'll be real honest with you. I don't even want to fathom what it would be like to have a, a Christmas void of Jesus. That's just, you know, that's just that merry holiday. So have we missed the point? So what I'd like to do is give you eight reasons for real joy this season, reasons to pause, things to think about, something to just remind you in case you forgot the, that the joy to the world, the Lord has come, and there are reasons for us to celebrate even when the, the tree doesn't look quite right and the lights didn't go up and the plugs don't work. I tell you what, there was a what I call a CTJ, the come to Jesus moment in my house when I had put all the lights on the tree. And I walked away and Nicholas came in and said, Mom, why don't you turn it on? And I said, it was on. <laughs> and do you know, it is the last string on the top of the tree sent the whole, put the whole tree out, Right? So it's, it's never the first one. It's not the easy one. It's not the one closest to the plug. No, it's the one that's farthest away from the process. But in the middle of all of that, there is still joy for the season. If you come by my house and the tree's in the front yard, Jesus is still Lord of my life. The tree was optional. All right? So, number one, I'm all, it's only eight. I'm not going to keep you all day. I promise. This might go quick. So, but it's Christ is born. Pause. I just told you, there is a large number of people on this planet that do not understand the significance of that. You are blessed to know. And if you're watching today and you don't know, this is an important thing. This is a a fantastic moment for all of us. It begins that process of eternity. But as a believer, you're not stuck in, well, let me, I wonder what happened. You know what happened. We have the benefit. We go back and retell the stories of those who didn't know. The three kings who said it was prophesied we're going to follow the star. We see them arrive and give gifts that are insignant of, hey, these are the things we believe are going to happen based on the prophecies. But now we know. We have the benefit of knowing. So today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. That's our basic story. I love the way the NIV translated this part. Suddenly a great company and a host of angels appeared. 
And they were praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. And usually it says, and peace on earth to all. But in the original translation, it says, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those who his favor, on whom his favor rests. In other words, those who believe there's good things coming. The favor of God is coming. The favor in your life is here. The, the, the Savior has come. All those things you were afraid of and all those uncertainties and all those stuff, the stuff you didn't know and what's going to happen and is there an eternity, all that has been wiped away. His favor now rests on you. You, knowing him as Lord and personal Savior during this season, have even more reason to celebrate. The second reason to celebrate is a lot of them. There's an average, there's an estimate, there's all these scholars that want to count. So one guy has counted and he's a little over 8,000. Another's counted as a little over 6,000. But it's the promises of God and the average came out to about 7,487. 7,487 promises are in this book, but you don't know them unless you read it. Okay, there's some good news in here. I promise. 7,487 promises. And God all, the scripture says God always keeps his promises. And in another place in scripture, it says he never lies. So if he always keeps his promises and he never lies, then all of those, if you believe in him as Lord and personal Savior, are for you. Now, I couldn't go through all 7,000 because anybody would say, hey, Angela, the time to cut it off. So I'm going to hit the highlights and let's see if any of these apply to you. I found this at a, a website and I thought they'd done a really good job. When we say, I can't figure it out, God says, I'll direct your steps in Proverbs. When we say, I'm too tired, God says, it's okay, I'll give you rest. That's in Matthew. When we say, it's impossible, God says, "Ah, all things are possible. That's in Luke. When you're feeling like nobody loves me, God says, I love you. And that's in John 3.16. When you say, I can't forgive myself, God says, I forgive you. And that's in Romans 8. When you're feeling like it's just not worth it, God says, it will be worth it in Romans 8. When you're just saying, hey, I'm not smart enough, God says, it's all right. I'll give you wisdom, I promise, in Corinthians. When you say, I'm not able, God says, that's all right. I am able. That's in 2 Corinthians. When you're feeling like, and in this time of year, a lot of people feel this way, I can't go on. God says, my grace is sufficient. And that's in 2 Corinthians. When you say, I just can't do it, God says, that's all right. I can do all things. That's in Philippians. I just can't manage. God says, that's all right. I'll supply all your needs. Trust me. Philippians. And you say, I'm afraid. God says, I haven't given you a spirit of fear. I got you. That's in Timothy. You say, I feel alone. And this is one of the seasons where people feel more alone than any other time of year. God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And that's in Hebrews. That is just a dozen or so of the 7,000 promises that are your inheritance. And that last one brings us to the next one, which is, he is always there for you. I will never leave you or forsake you. This time of year, I want to encourage you all, as you see people and you know people who are living alone or, or who don't have anyone, regardless of whether they come to this church or go to any other, there is that sense of just needing someone to care. Scripture talks about we are his hands and feet. 
So give a hoot. Say hello. Encourage someone. Embrace someone. Help them to understand he is always there for them. Become that testimony. I've heard them time and time again where somebody says, I was all by myself and I didn't know if anybody cared and and I was going to do something drastic and there was a knock at the door and there was this person who randomly stopped by and he is always there for you. It can come through you or directly. God just ministering to your heart. Number four is grace. There's another reason to have joy this holiday season, grace. The Lord is full of grace and righteousness. Truly, he is a God of mercy. That means that whatever you've done, whatever you feel in your heart is not quite right, whatever has happened that you feel like has separated you, there is grace. God says, I forgive you. You had a moment. You lost your temper. Something happened. I forgive you. All these things that you feel like you're pressured to perfection and can't achieve, I don't expect those of you. I love you anyway. That's grace. But you have to receive it. You know, Christmas is really interesting. There's one thing about giving something. There's a whole other issue of receiving it. Hey, mama, mama drives me crazy sometimes because I'll stop by and I'll, I'll get them some dinner and I'll go, here you go, brought you something, thought you might need it, I gotta go, but I was driving by and I drop it off. Before I can get out the door, let me pay you, let me give you some money, cause that's their generation, they wanna make sure they don't want you to be out of nothing. No, 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 I gotta go, I gotta go. That grace of receiving, and it's funny, you know, what Nicholas has heard it will get in this thing where I say, alright, what do you say? Thank you. You're welcome. There's your change. And I go on out the door. Because it, it's just this, this attitude of, of receipt. Accepting it. Alright, here's number five. Faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and it's the evidence of things not seen. But when you believe in God and you believe those promises and you grab hold of the one that says all things are possible then sometimes that leap becomes even more powerful because you know God's got you. He's got you. He's going to cover you. Whatever chasm that you see, whether it's work or life or job or help, as, as Dave would say, God's got it. He's bridging the gap. But you don't have the option to stay over there. you got to move on. You can't stay in your sickness. Time to get healthy. You can't stay in your poverty. Time for God to deliver you. You can't stay in, in doubt. God wants to deliver you into faith. There's a movement. When you accept Jesus as Lord and person or Savior, you're not saying, hey, God, thank you. I'm standing still. No, you've actually accepted a challenge to move. Now go and do far more and greater things than I have done. Now you go do it. Go. You believe me? I'm with you. Let's go. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Let's go. That chasm. And it isn't a looking down into the chasm. It is a leaping. It is that moment in your heart when you say, you know, this defies all logic, but I'm going to do it anyway. Because this is what I feel like God is telling me to do. That's faith. Number six, Christ is risen. We have to remember that when we're talking about the manger, that this has already happened. The tomb now, in retrospect, is already empty. So we are celebrating the birth of our risen Savior. We are not just going back and telling the story up to the point that Jesus and Mary and the star appears and all the cows moo and all that stuff in the little story. And then, boom, we're done. If you know Jesus as Lord and personal Savior, then you know that the tomb is empty. So what you're celebrating at Christmas 
is the birth of a risen Savior who lived, died, rose again so that we can have eternity, that we can be forgiven of our sins, that we can have. That's the greatest gift that you can receive this Christmas is knowing in your heart that you don't have to be perfect for God to love you. You just need to know that he loves you. You need to accept that he loves you. You need to understand that anything you have done or could have done, I don't need to even know what it is. That's between you and God. That it's forgiven. And he cares for you. So that means that forgiven. Man, isn't it liberating when you do something and you finally look at somebody and say, I'm really sorry, and they say, I forgive you. I mean, we go through this, you know, when we, you know, Nicholas is 13 and we have our moments and he'll say, oh, mom, I'm sorry. And I forgive you saying it out loud, believing it. I forgive you in him. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches of God's grace. In other words, he died on the cross. His blood was shed. It's paid for. It's done. Your sins are forgiven. And then last but not least. Eternity assured. Is that not a present to open at Christmas when you, when you have your, your, your Bible and you're trying to figure out, okay, what is this joy of the holiday season? What does it really mean to me? That the gift of eternity for God so loved the world that he gave his son, born in a manger, went through the whole process that we've discussed 900 times of how horrible they were to him, all the miracles that followed. He was crucified. Dead and buried. They put guards in front of the tomb because they were worried somebody was going to steal his body and fake it. The tomb, as stone rolled away, angel appeared. Jesus ascended into heaven and said, hey, eternal life is yours. That's who's in the manger. That's the joy of the season. So I'm going to ask you today, I was trying not to to make it too long today, but I just want to know, do you have the joy of the Lord? Is the joy of the Lord your strength? And it's okay to say, no, it's hard dealing with, you know, I've got all the things in my life that are going on as you're dealing with aging parents and stuff like that, stuff that's heavy on your heart. Do you have the joy of the Lord? If the joy of the Lord is your strength, do you have that place to go in your heart? Do you know all these things are true? Do you know that they all belong to you? That eight notes. Are you rushing through your eight notes? You know, we've all been given a season. Are you rushing through your season? Do you have so much to do that there's no time to pause for it actually to reach a believable cadence of hearing God's voice on a daily basis? Imagine if instead of that rush through the eight, there's that pause and you hear his voice, which made that first moment even more precious. And now you're in anticipation of the next. And you hear his voice. Do you hear what I'm, do you understand what I'm telling you? That there are, there are those moments in life where, have you ever been at a, I remember I was at, I think I told you this, I was at a stoplight one time, I was, it was a Pontiac Fiero. Okay, that was a poor decision. Right, anyway, it was a Pontiac Fiero. It was a piece of plastic car, right? And I'm at an intersection. And usually when the light turns green, I'm ready to go. I got stuff to do. I'm I'm driving 30 miles to work. I got to get out of here. And something said, stop. So I paused. And a dump truck ran the light. Had I gone on my normal cadence, the pharaoh was no match for a dump truck, for certain. But it's that pause 
Listen for the pauses. Listen for those moments when you're like, well, I always go this way, but something's telling me to go that way. Did you hear the lady on Fox News the other day? His car was in a crash. The lady uh, was driving to work and she went to leave to go to work and something said, go this way. And she argued and she said, but God, it, it takes me like 20 minutes longer to go that way. Go that way. And she was the woman who spotted the lady in need. It turned into this whole testimony of, well, I paused. I, I went the opposite direction that I normally go. And it resulted in blessing and saving this woman. All because she listened to a pause. So I would like to encourage us this season to take a moment to listen for the pauses. Hear the cadence. Hear the notes. It's okay. If it doesn't all get done, it's all right. If the house lights are falling off, it's okay. If the dog knocks over the Christmas tree, it's okay. If not everybody is happy with everything they get, it's all right because the true gift of this season is the grace of God. Put your expectations in him. He's given you more than 7,000 gifts. 7,000 promises that there is no situation any of you are going through that he's missed. Imagine that. I've told you my story of the guy at the garage sale that was selling his Bible for a buck. And I said, why are you selling your Bible? And he said, I've read it. That's not how it works. Whatever season of life you're in, go back and read. I can go back and read passages that I underlined when I was 12 or 13 years old. That Bible's falling apart now. That means something entirely different to me now. The same is true for you. Go back. Reread. Take those familiar verses that you know as a child, that you now glean. For our God to love the world, he gave us on the back. We've gotten to where we can recite them. There are no pauses in our thought process. But take a minute. Slow it up. Slow your roll, as they say. Find a cadence that accommodates hearing the voice of God. He is speaking to you every day. Sometimes all it takes is a pause. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you care for us. We are so grateful, Lord God, that you want to be involved in our lives. We are grateful for the more than 7,000 promises. We are grateful, God, that you care about every single thing that's going on in our lives. So, Lord, I, I ask you right now, God, that you, for those of us who know you, reignite that sense of pause, reignite that sense of joy, reignite, Father, those parts of us, Lord God, that have gone dormant with busyness and help us to hear your voice. Help us to pay attention. Help us to hear and listen. God, I pray right now, if anyone right now is listening and you don't know Jesus as Lord and personal Savior, the price is paid. This isn't a challenge of perfection. This isn't that moment where you go, I'm not good enough, I'll wait until. He'll take you right where you are. If you feel like in your heart there's something holding you back, you go ahead right now, I challenge you to say, Lord, I, I want to know you. I want to know you as my Lord and personal Savior. I want this Christmas to mean something. You go to him and I guarantee you he'll accept you right where you are. If there's something in your life that's absent, something that you need, something that you just need somebody to please intervene. If there's a sadness that's overwhelming you this holiday season and you look around and say, I want that joy of the Lord. I want that strength. Call on him right now. 
right now, just say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I don't know a lot. I may not know, but one or two of those 7,000 promises. But what I do know is that you love me and I want to love you right back. If you need Jesus as Lord and personal Savior, say, Lord God, please just forgive me for my sins. Help me to forgive me and help me to accept that you have forgiven me and loved me so much. There's a place, there's a transition, there's a moment when you've accepted Jesus as Lord and personal Savior that everything changes. You feel it in your heart right now. It's a really kind of strange thing, a little bit uncomfortable. You feel maybe a little upset. That's the Spirit of the Lord just speaking to you going, I've got you. You're not alone. I'm right here. And he is right there with you. He loves you so much. So God, we are grateful for this holiday season. We are grateful for your gift. And we are grateful, Lord God, that we choose right now to rejoice in the Lord. And allow your joy to be our strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you uh, were watching today, we're glad you're here. If you need somebody to pray with you, if you have something on your heart you need to discuss, I don't know, I just feel like there may be a couple of you out there that just have a couple questions. The same way you watch this, you can ask those questions. And we will be glad to answer you. Again, God bless you and thanks for watching today.